Hello, everybody. My name is Rich. You can find me on Twitter at I'm Rich, but I'm not. And that is Brian. You can find him on Twitter at Mediocre Ace. This is another episode of League One on the Rocks. Yeah, we're going to jump right into this because we have a ton to talk about tonight. So mm-hmm. first off, Brian, what are you drinking tonight? Bush Lights. Bush nice. Lights. Got a, got a pack for the tailgate this weekend, so thought I'd break oh, nice. into them a little early. So friend of the podcast, Allison, she does a lot of traveling for her work. And whenever she goes somewhere, she offers to pick up a case of beer from wherever she's going. And this time she picked up a six pack of Dortmunder Gold Lager from the Great Lakes Brewing Company. And they are based in Cleveland, Ohio. Nice. So you can see that one there. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Looks good. Yeah. She helps us out by getting beers from different areas of the country whenever she's traveling around. So I need to be better about sharing these with you. I feel greedy. We're doing that, especially since you're over there drinking Bud Light, man. Bush Light, Bush Light, Bush Light. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, definitely not a Bud Light guy. (laughs) Used to be in my youth, I was. Yeah, then I got turned on to the ways of the Bush. Once you wore that coconut bra, man, Mm -hmm. it turned you turned you into a different person. I mean, yeah, and then the bunny ears came out afterwards. So yeah, it's definitely it's an acquired thing. Yeah. Well, let me pop this guy open. Very nice. Went hard crack on that one. Cheers, buddy. Hey, cheers. Nice. Like the koozie? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. We are both rocking the Oktoberfest Union Omaha koozies. Yep. But to keep the rest of them cold that are sitting by my desk, I also have my Parliament, the proud one means all koozie. Nice. And then just my random union omaha one i bought this year that has the cool like splash designs yeah i have the the union omaha shield koozies the black black base with the the white shield so yeah that's the ones i have the the tall ones and the the short one here too oh yeah you had to get the tall one too yeah especially when that like first came out that was like some of the only stuff that they had was like koozies yep well i've got a crazy story this time this week nice i go to hy to pick up to pick up some beer and some dinner because I had one of my son's friends that were over, so I decided to do something quick and easy for dinner. Needed some Totino's pizzas, so we went up. I went up to High V right by my house, and I see a car stopped in the middle of a four-way intersection and two people arguing outside of their vehicles. When one guy is sitting inside the median slamming on this other dude's car the other dude gets out starts screaming at him and then all of a sudden i hear the guy that what looks like instigated it yell i don't care i'm ready to die so i turned tail and started walking off right into the store he's like okay well i'm not sticking around for this one and then look back as i'm walking in he gets back in his car he drives off but man i tell you what i've never come that close to uh running into a high v in the history of time. So wow. Very interesting night. Wow. Yeah, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting night right there. I mean, it's not always interesting out here in Westo, but it has its times for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a crazy story cuz I had one too, but I'm going to save it for next week. Oh, just right. so we can have crazy stories each week. That'll be fun. I like it. All right, so we're going to jump straight into the League One action from week 27. Mm-hmm. There were 
two clubs that played twice this week. We had North Carolina and we had Central Valley. And then uh, we had a bye week from Ford Madison. Yep. Yeah. I mean, their their playoff chances are already over. So, I mean, a bye week yeah. to them doesn't really mean a whole lot. But a bye week right before the Henny Derby is, is a good thing for them, I guess, because you can still come away with a win in the Derby. So, yeah. Well, to start things off, we had a match on Wednesday night. We had North Carolina hosting Central Valley Fuego, and North Carolina won two to one. Yeah. And how how does their attendance stack up against their average? So, I feel like that's a big crowd for North Carolina. North Carolina's average attendance this year is one thousand six hundred and ninety-seven. So I was wrong. I mean, thirteen fifty-one. That's you're going to be within a couple hundred people. So. Yeah, it's it's a little bit a little bit below, but within a, a nice margin of error. So, yeah. And you would think that this would be a week when they might attract more people because they at you know, at this point in the week, they were still mathematically in the chase for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they could have used that extra push from additional people in the stands. Yeah, they they definitely could have. But I mean, it's it's done and dusted now at this point. So, yeah. And even after this game, they were still mathematically in it because they, you know, they beat Central Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Got, they, uh... got things started off in the 22nd minute with a goal from Garrett McLaughlin with the assist from Nicholas Rincon, which, man, that guy just, man, that guy had a showing. Yeah. Young guy that has just come on strong. So good for them. I mean, it looks like what, what they're playing with the academy system and everything is is working. So. Yeah. Uh, more credit to them. Like I said earlier in this year that they're going to be pretty dangerous come next year or a year from two years from now. So, yeah, this guy is 16 years old mm-hmm. and he's playing in the pros. Yeah. Getting paid, getting paid to play while still going to high school. So, man, I wonder how that works, like how they work around his schedule like that. Yeah. I wonder if they have like certain training times or if he just gets like homeschooled. Yeah. I wonder if he has that really strict math or English teacher that says this is an unexcused absence you have to be here for <laughs> yeah. your exam mm-hmm. yeah while he's going to play going to play a match in california or something yeah crazy well then just a few minutes later we had a goal in the 29th minute from central valley to tie it up and christian cheney scored the goal after an assist from villian bijev yeah man bijev has had a good season if you yeah. count the I didn't do the research, but if you count the League One season on top of the US Open Cup performances, I feel like he's been a consistent, you know, go-to guy for that club. Yeah, you um he's one of the few guys for Central Valley that you hear his name a lot and it's usually in good situations. So yeah. Um it's not kind of unfortunate what's going on with Central Valley and their 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 tiff with their front office and everything like that. I know I listened to another episode of uh, the Fuego podcast and they're still not, not happy with the front office or anything that's going on out there. And some of the things that they have brought up, I mean, they make great points about it um, and credit to them on the El Fuego pod. They make great points and it's all completely fair things. And, you know, the team is just not producing on the field either. It's unfortunate for them, especially being a, a first year USL one team yeah. that it's kind of going the way it is, but 
Um, yeah, to bring that club back and then to have their first season playing like that. Yeah. And with all the front office turmoil and then the performances they've had. Yeah, they've they've been dealing with a lot. And then you include all the price gouging stuff that they've been mm-hmm. doing out there. Yeah, those fans have been dealing with a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it got worse in, in this match in the 68th minute. Uh, Nicholas Rincon, again, assisted by Luis Arriaga scores and and puts them up two to one for that victory in the 68th minute so yep man credit to to north carolina still still fighting you know we'll see how it goes this week and and next week but i mean you got to give them credit for fighting still so yeah well in the 73rd minute so just five minutes later fuego really shot themselves in the foot because sam strong their one of their center backs got a straight red card after a hard challenge with Garrett McLaughlin. So you're down a goal. Now you're down a man. Mm-hmm. We've seen other teams have success with this. Looking at Greenville, looking at Ford Madison, looking at Union Omaha. We've mm-hmm. seen other clubs have success, but Central Valley was not going to be one of those tonight on that night. No. And I mean, there's there's a kind of a common thread there between those teams because when Madison was doing it, that was earlier on in the season when they still were playing really well together. Omaha has played well, current run of form, not really, and I suppose not for Greenville, but traditionally Greenville and Omaha have also done really well. So it looks like one of those things where good teams can afford to do it, whereas some of the teams more in the middle of the pack just can't. And it's unfortunate because, you know, it's it kind of looked like towards the end of that game, Central Valley is, I mean, it's they're always a dangerous team. So, uh, you know, a two-to-one lead is not safe. They could have definitely chased it, but there's there's some coaching decisions that going on in Central Valley too that don't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. Just with the way they play, they don't seem to want to attack forward when they play. They, a lot of back passes and a lot of back, you know, playing back to the keeper. I don't get it, but just more struggles for Central Valley. Yeah, if you're passing back to the keeper to try to stretch the other team, you got to work a little faster to, to make that happen and to take full advantage of those opportunities. But if they're just passing back to the keeper to once again, turn around and play it out of the back, you're not really doing a whole lot. No, nope. Just a lot of time wasting. Yeah. So on top of the straight red card by the end, of, by the final whistle, there were 10 yellow cards between these two clubs. Hmm. North Hard Carolina fall. had, yeah. North Carolina had four and central Valley had six. Not including that red, that straight red card. So not including the straight red card. Yep. Yeah, except it's not a double yellow. So wow. Yeah. That's a lot. But I yeah. mean, we're seeing USL refs kind of crack down now towards the end of the season. So it's something that I think everybody's going to have to look out for as we get a little bit closer to the playoffs. Here, got to be more careful. And I mean, we saw what was it last week or the week before it was red cards in every single match. Mm-hmm. So. You got to be careful. You can't be screwing around too much now. Yep. So to flip things around from shining a dark light on something to shining a bright light on something. Mm-hmm. Shining yeah. a dark light. A dark light. Yeah. Would that be like a black light. Casting casting a dark shadow. How about there that? You go. Casting a dark shadow versus shining a bright light. I like it. Yeah. There we yeah. go. I think you figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's if if we're looking at good performances here, you got to go with Rincon, right? On the sixteen-year-old, 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, 68 minutes, 77.8% passing in the opponent's half, a goal and an assist. Kid's 16, guys. <laughs> like, yeah. 16 years old, and he's he's playing with the best of League One. So, man, congrats to him. Yeah, and he's setting a fashion trend with the high-waisted shorts and tucking your shirt in. So he's putting up results, and he's setting fashion trends. I mean, this guy is going to be a superstar in less than five years. Yeah, uh, especially if he continues to wear those long sleeves. Yeah. Like he did here in Omaha. Man, he is going to be fashion forward yeah he's he's not a, a big guy but or i guess kid guy kid what's the cutoff for calling somebody guy versus kid can you call him a kid a guy uh, kid kid a, guy a, a kid guy. A guy i don't know i don't know i don't think i'm gonna do i'm just gonna say him man that, child there does that work no child man closer a child um, man? Yeah. A child man? That'll work. That's fine. I'll go with child man. Yeah, he, uh, he's playing great. And unfortunately for North Carolina, it's a, kind of too little too late. But if he stays in League One, he'll be a force to be reckoned with next year. Yeah. And then looking over at Fuego, Christian Cheney, I think he's pretty much the, the most obvious choice since he was the goal scorer on that end. 90 minutes was dispossessed only once and earned three fouls. I mean, those were the, the most remarkable stats that he had, but I think yeah. scoring the goal to, to tie things up, I think that, you know, would make him the, the most notable. If you were to look at anybody else, maybe Muhammad Dabo, the mm -hmm. their central defensive midfielder, he was a pretty busy guy, especially after Sam strong got that red card in the 73rd minute. Mm -hmm. But since at that point, the results seemed to be pretty much in hand, I don't know. He he had to cover a lot of ground and had a good showing in the process. Yeah, I mean, he he played all 90 minutes and had some pretty good passing stats. 87% for total passing, 80 in the opponent's half. Another really high-touch player. I know we talked about it last week that there was a lot of high-touch players, but he had 72 with six passes into the final third and won 83% of his tackles. So, yeah, that's that's hard to have to do especially as a defensive midfielder to drop back and kind of cover for a center back that went ahead and got himself a red card yeah um i mean it, they didn't really uh they didn't leak too much after that i think the game was already settled but yeah they didn't give up another goal so i think he deserves a shout out for sure yeah and then if you were to look at the series stat overall despite this loss they still won the series because the other two matchups between these two were Central Valley wins. Mm -hmm. So they completed the gentleman's sweep, if you want to call it that, since they let North Carolina win the last one. Yeah, you got to let them get at least one, right? Yeah. It's kind of like that big brother, little brother. Yeah, you, know, you got to let them win once. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Did you ever let Colin win? Uh, no. Ah, nice. So not no. the gentleman's sweep for you. No, there's um, when we were kids. No, I never let him win. And then we we got really into playing basketball just about every single day a few years back. And um, if anybody's ever seen me and my brother together, he's bigger than I am now. And I can shoot and I'm a lot quicker than he is. But 
he likes to just take it down into the post and just completely destroy me down low. So, yeah, he's so uh, you. So since you're a, a, a Heat fan, you were the mm-hmm. D Wade to his. Uh, I would say he's not as big as Shaq, but when we're playing basketball and after we get a couple buckets in and then, you know, competitive nature takes over, he turns into Shaq and it just pushes me around down in the paint. So (laughs) yeah, I got to try to go around him. I don't, I wouldn't even say I'm more like a D Wade. I would say I'm more of like a Mario Chalmers or, you know, (laughs) one of the smaller point guards. Muggsy Bogues. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think he was only like five six. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, he he was a little guy, but could still dunk though. Yeah, could still dunk, and I can't. Yep. So I mean, he he's definitely got that on me. So <laughs> well, as long as we're looking at the series record, let's look at the series MVPs across mm-hmm. these three games for North Carolina. I would have to say Garrett McLaughlin. He had the the two goals. So if you look at North Carolina, they had, they only scored four goals in this series, and half of them were scored by Garrett McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's, you could go. The only other way I think you could probably go would be Rincon, and I mean yeah. he's up with a goal and an assist, and the fact that he's 16 years old, he would definitely be second. Just because I mean McLaughlin's a great player, we knew that coming into this season anyway. So yeah, yeah. McLaughlin for their MVP for sure. Yep. And then if you look, want to look at Central Valley, uh, that would be Christian Chaney, in my opinion, with three goals. So when you're when you're outputting that many goals, you know, you only scored five and you scored three. So yeah, it's the same thing as McLaughlin. You know, if you score the most goals, you're probably going to get MVP. Yep. And to be second place for Central Valley, I would say Villian Bijev because mm-hmm. he's a consistent performer and he had two assists during these three games. Yeah, I I would not be I feel upset like, if either of those had that. Yeah, I feel like Central Valley is one of those teams where as soon as you say that that club's name this year, you automatically think of Bijev mm-hmm. because he's been that influential and that productive for the team this this season. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, uh, we fast forward to Saturday night where Greenville hosted Tucson. Man, Tucson. Letting me down, man. Yeah. Letting me down. Yeah. Didn't have any attendance numbers for Greenville. Was there a, a rain delay on this one? Uh, there might have been. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, to be honest with you. I can't you. remember if there was. But nonetheless, Tucson broke the score line in the 20th minute after mm-hmm. an own goal from Greenville. One of their center backs, Brandon Fricky, provided the, the, the goal for, for Tucson. Mm-hmm. And then Greenville turned right back around about 16 minutes later in the 36th minute. And Alexander Cox Ashwood uh, went in for the, for the goal, the unassisted goal. Mm-hmm. And then so they were tied at halftime and then coming in to the second half, Greenville scored their second goal in the 75th minute when Vinton Evans had an unassisted goal. So that's two unassisted goals for, for Greenville. But Vinton Evans' goal was from outside the box. Yeah, And great goal. not only that, but he replaced Alexander Cox-Ashwood in the 72nd minute. 
So came on in the 72nd, scored in the 75th. I mean, yeah, he's no drop right. off. That's yeah, the best no, you can do. Exactly. No drop off there. And we would have to wait until the 88th minute for Tucson to score their second goal and to tie it up mm-hmm. with a Fernando Garcia header following a corner uh, after an assist from Hota. Mm-hmm. I kind of figured this was going to be a draw just because of prior matchups. Tucson is is a thorn in Greenville's side. But yeah, I was I was surprised and relieved when Tucson scored their second goal. I was secretly hoping for a Tucson win, obviously. Right. Yeah. So was I. You know, that would that only helps Omaha's chances. And yeah, we're gonna show a little bit of bias, especially now we're we're close to playoff season. So anybody that was hoping for a non-biased show, we're gonna report on everything, but my bias is gonna come through. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. And I feel like Tucson is almost my adopted team. So <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead. I I know I'm sorry, Madison fans. We teased you earlier thinking, oh, maybe he does like Madison. I got to go with Tucson. That's where uh, that's where I would go. I like the weather better down there. So, Breaking hearts everywhere you go. Sorry, guys. I still uh, I still like some of your kids. Not all of them, though. <laughs> well, just like the North Carolina Central Valley match, Greenville and Tucson had seven yellow cards. It's quite a few. But, yeah. I mean... You see that coming with a Tucson game. I mean, Tucson yeah. plays hard, really hard yeah. all the time. And that's one of the things I like about them is they, not necessarily how many yellow cards they end up acquiring, but the fact that they always play until until the whistle and they play the entire match out. So, yeah. But Tucson game, high yellow cards. They had four, Greenville had three. So yep. that's about right for a Tucson match. So you said that Tucson is one of those teams that works really hard, and I wholeheartedly agree. But I will tell you, for this one, Greenville completely owned the middle of the field. If you look at the the stats that you know, we're going to talk about some stats here. But if you look at the the trend from both teams' tactics and everything, it seemed like as soon as Tucson won the ball. They were flushing the ball outside to the flanks, which is not good when you're playing Greenville because they have really good perimeter play. They do. Yeah. So listen to this. I'm just looking at the center of the field for Tucson. Okay. Their center forward was four of 11 on duels, which is 36%. He was 0 for 2 in the ground, and he was 4 for 9 in the air. Now let's look at the midfield. Burke Falling had zero duels won in the ground or the air. Oh, just completely dominated. Yeah. Let's go a step further. Go to their center backs. Eric Kisner, two of seven in total duels. That's 29%. He was one of three on the ground, and he was one of four in the air. And I feel like he was caught out of position way too often because if you look at the way that the teams were playing, it was a very centralized type of play. And he was often sinking back. It was almost as if he was sinking back, looking for an outlet to swing the ball and to get the ball out to the the flanks. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at his partner on the the back line, Luca Mastrantonio, 
he was three of nine in his total duels, which is 33%. So he was 0 for 2 on the ground, and he was 3 for 7 in the air. So just looking at all of those stats right there, I mean, man, Tucson was getting dominated in the middle of the field. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's probably down a little bit to the quality of, of players that Greenville does have. Yeah. And just the way they like to play. I mean, they, they do like to kind of dominate the midfield. So it's, uh, I mean, you probably could have seen it coming, but just a little bit blinded maybe at how bad the, the midfield for Tucson was. I, I don't definitely did not see that coming. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, it's not only a matter of personnel that was on the field, but also a formation mismatch mm-hmm. because Tucson was playing the four, three, three. And I think Greenville was playing a four, two, three, one. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, I want to say they were playing a four, two, three, one, which if you're playing a four, two, three, one versus a four, three, three, I mean, a four, two, three, one is already a very centralized formation. Mm-hmm. And if you're going against a four, three, three, there's a lot of space between those players. Yeah. And yeah, it's like a hot knife through butter. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, yeah. And I mean, the stats kind of tell that out too. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So, we talked about how, how bad the midfield was. So, why don't we shift gears and see the light here on some good, like notable performances? And we could start that out with Greenville, Cox Ashwood, 72 minutes, one goal, 63% on duels. So, not that great on duels, but did win three fouls, which is hugely important in this league for sure. And then if you want to take it a step further, the guy that replaced him, Venton Evans, 18 minutes, one goal, 80% passing, playing those long balls perfectly, 100% on his long balls, and won all of his duels. So, I mean, when when you have a player come in and your quality doesn't drop at all, I feel like those guys could be, you know, co shout out winners on that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one of those situations where if you're the player coming off the field and you see Venton Evans coming on, you're thinking, all right, cool. I'm, I'm good. Cause mm-hmm. most of the time the player is going to want to stay out on the field because they want to be the one to control the situation. But if Venton Evans is coming on to replace you, all right, fine. I can relax on the bench. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I got Venn Evans coming on. We're good. Yeah, definitely. And then for Tucson, I mean, Louis Perez, their right midfielder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, 77 minutes, 48 touches. He had two successful dribbles. I mean, he was doing pretty good. Five for eight on his total duels. Uh, not terrible there. But, I mean, it wasn't anything outstanding, but it was enough to to stand out amongst the rest of his team. Yeah, and I mean, we pretty much call his name about every single time we talk about Tucson. Yeah. So you need guys like that to step up, and and I mean, he did. So they didn't look great in this game, but they got the draw, and that's all that mattered. And that keeps them in the hunt, I guess. They're going to need a lot of help to get into the playoffs, but it could be done. I mean, they're mm-hmm. – they're sitting on 40 points or off 31 points. Excuse me. They have 40 possible. So, you know, 
they could get in, but Chattanooga needs to not win anymore as long. You know, Chattanooga and Charlotte both need to lose out before they yeah. would make it in. Yeah. Well, I, shit, I don't even hmm, I don't even know that they can, to be honest with you. Tucson? Yeah. Yeah, they can get in. Forty points. That would put um tied with oh, okay, yeah. So they would get it with wins. Yeah, they would have to win out and they Oh, they need... do have they have three don't they have three games remaining? Yeah, they have three. That's what it was. See, I was thinking they had two. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got start... that I got that all at the bottom. Yeah, I gotta the, start reading these schedule. charts a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still mathematically in it. It's and... gonna be tough, but they, yeah. I guess they can do it. And they're in a unique situation, but we'll break that down later on in the show. Yeah. So if we go ahead and look at the, the series here, Greenville takes the whole series with five total points. One win and two draws. The draw coming in their first matchup and then a win for Greenville in week 21 and then the result this week. So credit to them. They got the series. So. Yeah, I mean, Greenville's a, a team that doesn't exactly have the best record against Tucson, but they still managed to come away winning that series, and they did it by combining a total goal score of 4-3 to three against Tucson. So, mm-hmm. I mean, good for them for, for making it happen. Yeah. So for the series MVP for Tucson, I would have to lean toward Danny Toya. He had a goal. Now, you could easily say Luca Mashantonio, their center back, mm-hmm. because he was consistently strong in his defense across the entire series. And I don't know. I, I just want to lean toward Danny or Donnie Toya on, on this one. Yeah. I feel like he's a good choice for, for their MVP in this series. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I don't have any issues with that. And I mean, it's... It's a little difficult with Tucson. They're really hard to read. Obviously, yeah. they don't start playing until the last month of the season. So, yeah. But a team that plays from the onset here, Greenville, probably Aaron Walker, their center midfielder. With what Greenville likes to do, they need their green their their midfielders, excuse me, to be to be really stable. And he has been. He also has a goal. So. When you can facilitate and score a goal, that's going to get you an MVP nod. So there's a couple other people you could probably go with. I'm going to say Gavilanes with one assist, and it's just completely consistent. I mean, and again, you hear his name all the time, and it's for great plays. So that's who I would go with as your your second option there for Greenville. Yeah. All right, so at the end of this match, there's a – couple questions that I was thinking about mm-hmm. and for Tucson they're still technically in the playoff hunt they are yeah but do you think they are is this so since they drew against Greenville they still have three games to play mm-hmm. but looking ahead at these three games do you think that this draw against Greenville was enough to be the one that's going to sink them um Looking looking ahead at their schedule, tonight they play Central Valley. So that's in a weather delay. We're also waiting on that match to even start. Imagine but, that. Yeah, stop me if you've heard that one before. So they've got Central Valley today, 
Hailstorm on Saturday at Hailstorm, and then back home against Forward Madison. I like, I really like their their schedule at the end of this. I think those are three winnable games, especially with how Tucson's playing right now. I don't think a draw to Greenville is the worst thing that could happen to a team. Greenville's a really good team, so especially for somebody like Tucson to to get that draw and. As long as you're in the playoff hunt, you've always got a chance. But I think they actually could sneak in because I like their chances against Fuego. I like them against Hailstorm, and I like them against Madison. I think those are definitely three matches that they could win. So I'm really glad you brought up their schedule because it leads right into their unique situation. If you look at the three clubs above them, because right now they're in 10th, 10th place. Uh, they are in 10th place, correct? So ninth, 8th, and 7th place, mm-hmm. the three clubs that need wins to get into the playoffs are the three teams that they're playing to finish their season. Yeah. It, and um... so they start off with Central Valley. Central Valley is in 8th place right now? They are, yes. Mm-hmm. And then you play Northern Colorado, who's in 7th. And then Correct. Madison, who is in ninth. ninth and are mathematically eliminated from yeah. playoff contention. So that could very easily be your easiest match because at that point, I mean, Madison's already checked out. Yeah, you could tell by how they've played the past few weeks that they're they're already thinking about the offseason. Yeah. So if you're going to beat, if you're going to get yourself into the playoffs, you have to beat the teams ahead of you. And that's exactly what they have in front of them right now. This is their time to rise to the occasion and to beat every single one of their neighbors in the standings to get into the playoffs. Now, at that point, they also have to rely on Charlotte losses. But once again, Mm -hmm. Charlotte goes on the road to Greenville this weekend, and then they host North Carolina for a battle of the North North Carolina. Yeah. So there's something on the line there, too. Mm-hmm. So those could both easily be losses for Charlotte as well. Yeah. So Tucson could sneak in. They could. They have a, a chance to do it. Obviously, it all starts tonight with, you know, Central Valley. Yeah, you got to take care of the teams ahead of you. You got to play the teams that you're lined up against. So I I like their chances personally. Um, yeah. That could be a homer pick a little bit too, but it yeah. could be done and I'd like to see it done. Honestly, it's it's a nice story to tell too. So, and you said they have how many points right now? Tucson is thirty-one on thirty-one points right now. Okay, so three wins, nine points, forty points would get 40 them points. above Charlotte by one point. Correct. Whereas if Northern Colorado won on Saturday against Tucson, mm-hmm. that would put Northern Colorado at forty-two. Forty-two, correct. Man. Yep. So if if Tucson beats Central Valley tonight, mm-hmm. that Saturday match between Tucson and Northern Colorado is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. That's going to be fun. Yeah, we're we're in crunch time, man. The, all, every game matters at this point. Yeah, I love it. Love it. All right. So to flip the, the script and instead of talking about Tucson, let's talk about Greenville. Mm hmm. In their last five, they are winless. Yep. They've had four draws and one loss. Mm-hmm. 
Who do you have more confidence in for getting second place and hosting that hosting the second uh, the semis of the playoffs? Mm-hmm. You have Greenville, you have Omaha, and you could also squeeze in Tormenta. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to look at the last five for all the teams. So, like you said, Greenville is four draws, one loss. Omaha sitting on two draws, three losses, and Tormenta coming in with two wins, two draws, and one loss. So for me, you got to look at the teams that are doing the best right now, especially. And to me, that's Tormenta. They're playing great right now. And they got a big test coming to Omaha on Saturday. It's a big test for both teams because these are two teams that could absolutely, I could see winning on Saturday. So we'll know a lot more. I mean, that's that goes without saying we'll know a lot more after Saturday, but I... As it sits right now, I think Tormenta has the leg up on everybody else to get that number two spot. Just because I don't trust Omaha or Greenville with their current run of form right now. Which sort of leads me to my next question, since you chose Tormenta. Mm -hmm. Tormenta is facing a Sophie's Choice type of situation. Because they're better on the road, do you think that they would rather play on the road in the semis assuming they win the first round of the playoffs mm-hmm. or do you think that they would rather host because they just opened their tormenta stadium well i feel like you always want to host yeah you know but by hosting there's a, a greater risk because tormenta hasn't played as well at home yeah but this isn't the home that they've been in all season either so for them is it like an away stadium that's part of it. I mean, obviously for us fans, it's like, okay, yeah, this, this makes sense. They're, they're better away. Do they want to be away? But I mean, if you look at it logistically and you know, the money factor of it, of course they want to be at home. They're going to make more money on a a home game than they would an away day. So they're definitely going to want to be at home. It would, is it the best choice for them though? That, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a really good point. They have been better away, and they haven't looked great at home the times that they've played there. So you're damned then, if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, it's yeah. like you said, it, it you know, it's it's a really tough choice. So and at this moment, they would host Charlotte, and then if they beat Charlotte the way that the schedule or the, the table is arranged right now, they would mm-hmm. go to Greenville. Yeah. Depending on the results, they might go to Greenville Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. and playing on the road at Greenville. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a lineup right there. Yeah. But Tormenta also has Greenville's number. So mm-hmm. I don't think Tormenta is going to be scared of playing Greenville. They haven't been all season. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if you're Tormenta, I think, I'll play anybody. If it's Greenville, I'll play him wherever. It doesn't matter. Home, away, neutral site, cow pasture, you know, like completely flooded fields in Trinidad and Tobago. Shout out to the men's national team. <laughs> um, I have to torment will play him anywhere. They don't care. And, but no, I think that the, my actual answer is of course they want a home game. They, they want the money and who wouldn't, I mean, that's great. But yeah. um, when it comes to the players, I think too, it's just, it's a comfort factor when you're at home and you're not traveling, you're going to be more comfortable and 
and especially in the playoffs and when it's such a stressful time to be playing. Um, I'm sure being at home helps that stress level so you can play a little bit more free and, and fast. So, Yeah, and I was wrong. Tormenta's fourth, so they would host Charlotte. Or no, I'm sorry, they would host Chattanooga. Ooh, that'd, be good, man. that'd be a good match. That's yeah. a nice playoff match right there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's some really interesting stuff coming down the pipe. So, yeah. Well, what do you think, Rich? Do you think do you think Tormenta wants to play at home or and who do you and who do you think is going to get that second second seat? It's tough. Let I mean, let me look here. So Greenville has their they host Charlotte and they go on the road at Richmond, mm-hmm. which I think Richmond may take it easy on that last day of the the season. I mean, they could, but they also have a week off in between. True. You don't want yeah. players resting for too long. Mm-hmm. And you want a good tune-up before they go rest, so play against a quality team like that. Yeah, these are those little intricacies that make the playoffs so great. Yeah. And then Tormenta, who do they play fit to finish their season? Chattanooga on the 15th. Oh, man, that's oh, that is tough. But they do have Chattanooga at home. Ooh, that is tough. Yeah, I don't think Tormenta's going to get it. I think it'll be Greenville. I think Greenville gets second place. Ooh. Geo, I hear you talking right now. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> yeah, I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in Greenville, and I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Omaha either right now. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing that's really stopping me from picking one of those two i don't disagree that greenville could do it honestly in my head right now the only two teams i could see doing it are greenville and tormenta yeah omaha has not looked good at all in the past few weeks yeah so they just can't finish no they can't they'll no they can't i don't want to get into a rant i feel like we've been on this (laughs) i feel like we've been on this game for like 20 minutes now yeah all right, fast forward. We're not going to do any Tucson news. We're not going to do any Greenville news. We're going straight into, oh, God, here we go. North Carolina hosting Union Omaha. <laughs> this isn't this isn't exactly any better. So, you know what? I might as well have just said the whole fucking thing. It's the match we end up going into anyway. Um, I will say, shout out to the Benson Theater for having us out there for the watch party because that, that place is really cool. That was the first time I've been inside there. First time having Virtuoso pizza as well. It was amazing. Really good. I'm a little bit peeved that I only got like one tiny slice of cheese because I gave my wife the bigger slice of pepperoni that they that I had gotten up there. But it was free pizza. So, I mean, anything, any bit of free pizza is great. So You're a good husband. Yeah, I went up there around the 20th minute to get a slice, and they were already out. Yeah, it was. It went quick. I talked to Josh, one of the front office guys, Mm -hmm. and I tried to give him the puppy eyes to say, like, are you guys going to get some more? And nope. He said, just just sneak back next door and go get a slice. And I was thinking, well, I was looking forward to the free pizza. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I went up as as soon as they said the pizza was there. My wife like nudged me. It was like, go get pizza. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Go up there. So I, I, I went up there and I ended up talking to Luke Opperman, you know, the, the president of parliament. So 
I talked to him in line, so that was a good time. Cool. But the match was not a good time. No. Union Omaha draws again, 1-1. Tell you what, early though, North Carolina looked like they did not want to win this match. Yeah. Just sloppy pass in the 25th minute. It looked like the North Carolina defender passed it right to Herzog, put it up (laughs) to him on a, a silver platter, and he controlled it and sent it home for the first score. So we were feeling really good in the 25th minute. I know the the theater was buzzing really good. My bingo card did not get called. So damn bingo. I know. So close. And Omaha held on to that lead for a really long time. And just a lapse in in defensive judgment sees North Carolina scoring in the 82nd minute and Alex Anderson all on his own. Again, Omaha just just not finishing matches, not knowing how to close out a match that you have to lead in and not being able to score if it's not given to them on a silver platter. Yeah, and Olex Anderson spent a lot of time on the ground. Union Omaha was after him the entire night. Mm-hmm. By the final whistle, he earned seven fouls. I'm surprised it was only seven because honestly, he, he spent a lot of time on the ground. Yeah, he did. But for North Carolina, the notable formants, obviously, Olex Anderson, 90 minutes, scored the match-tying goal, had 46 touches. He was 3 of 5 on successful dribbles. So, I mean, he was going at players and only got shut down twice. Had seven recoveries, and, I mean, he had a good game. Yeah, and so did Christian Young. Yeah. 90 minutes, 71% passing, 109 touches. That's insane. That's, I don't know what the league record is for touches, but that's got to be close. Yeah. Nine passes into the final third and 14 recoveries. So he may have let guys get past him, but he tracked back and and took care of business. So North Carolina just wanted this one more than Omaha did, apparently. Um, That's really all there is to it. There wasn't a whole lot of people for Omaha that you could throw up for a notable performance. Yeah. So I think you have to go with the goal scorer, Herzog. I mean, he he does what what a – I mean, I know he plays right forward, but he does more of what like a central striker does and just kind of waits and poaches goals. That's kind of his, his bag. So Yeah, he wreaks havoc up there on top. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I've been critical, and I am critical of him, especially when I'm sitting in the seat. I don't want to say that he's lazy, but he does not make a whole lot of runs back, and I know that's – part of the system and that's what he's there for he's there to poach goals he's not there to track back on defense he's not your right or left backs that are running up and down the field the entire match so but i mean herzog had 88 minutes the only shot for union omaha 38 touches one pass in the final third five of seven duels on the ground got four fouls earned so yeah I mean, there's there's other bright spots. I mean, Jiba, Doyle, obviously Knutson every single time. I mean, it's Omaha's a tough team to gauge right now. I don't really know yeah. what they're what they're planning on, but they definitely need to step it up and they have a problem beating teams that are in the bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. They have all season and there's there's no real excuse for it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they did win this series with five points because 
They won one and drew twice, but aside from that 4-1 drubbing in mm-hmm. week 21 where we had the early goal from Kevin Piedrahita, the, the goalie goal. Oh, you can't celebrate it, Rich. Don't no, celebrate. you can't celebrate. No, no we're not celebrating. No, not we're celebrating. not celebrating. No. That was a hell of a goal, though, huh? It was. If you look at the other two matches, they were 1-1 draws. Yeah. So, yes, Union Omaha took advantage of the goalkeeper that North Carolina had in net that night. And the sun a little bit. I mean, and the sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, this was a neck and neck type of series. I mean, yeah. you can, yes, you can brag that Union Omaha outscored them six, three in total, but taking out that one outlier, it's, yeah. it's still two to two. Yeah. But North Carolina is a, a bottom of the table team. Exactly. That full of my point. Full of high school kids. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's Omaha something else. Um, I'm more excited to see kind of what North Carolina is going to do. So I guess I got a uh, kind of a question for you is how does North Carolina refocus now that they're out of the playoffs completely? Are they going to try to make money? Are they going to try to play some of their kids to improve that academy system? that they're so proud of. What do you think they want to do? I think it would be easy to sell off players like Garrett McLaughlin and Oleks Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the time where you let them sit. They've already proven their resume. They've already added all the stats that are needed to get them to the next level. They've already been emphasizing their development Academy for a while now. So just, throw on the new guys, let them get some in-game experience against top players from other teams, mm-hmm. showcase potential starters for next season, start to create some of that chemistry for the off season as you build toward next season. This is the time to rebuild. This is not the time to focus on having your starters out there on the field to try to gain points. You're already out of the playoffs. Just look toward the next season. Get your, get the guys experience, get them motivated, get them geared up and ready to go for the off season. It's going to be a long off season, but mm-hmm. this is the time to start preparing for 2023 season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I want to see more Academy players get in there or some of the more younger guys. And that's their goal has always been that I know I covered them at the beginning of the season where we even kicked off. And that was the big thing that was their primary focus was getting their younger guys trained up. So you have a chance to do that. I know you would much rather be fighting for a playoff chance, but you have a chance to accomplish a goal that you set out at the beginning of the season, which was to get experience for your young players and showcase them a little bit. So you can send them on, on a transfer somewhere else and then have them come back and then play for you before moving on. So they have a chance to do that, which is in their long-term plans. So I say go with that, and I agree with you. Yeah. So then if we resurrect your rant from last week, mm-hmm. you were talking about Union Omaha not taking advantage of their opportunities, not finishing, whether it be goals or games. Mm-hmm. What do you think was the biggest failure in this game? The fact that Union Omaha's two starting forwards combined for one shot which was Corey Herzog's goal, or do you think it was the team not fighting enough to preserve the win? Um, 
it's really tough. Like it obviously scoring and our forwards have been an issue this season. And it kind of goes back to like our 2020 season, our first season, excuse me, we had the same issues and that's a big part of it, but you can't let that be your identity just because you're, your forwards can't score goals doesn't mean that your your left back or your right back or your midfielders can't get in there and do that job as well. Omaha has not taken advantage of set pieces. They haven't taken advantage of corner kicks. We, I mean, just this failure doesn't, you know, I, I'll say failure. It doesn't just come down to the the forwards not being able to score. It comes down to the whole team not being able to score, but it also comes down to the team not performing like they should. This team has enough talent to beat a lot of teams on, on this schedule, especially the teams that Omaha has lost to as many times as they have. What is this? The third, the third time Omaha has lost or drawn to a team at the bottom of the table this year, second or third. And it just, it doesn't make much sense. And I don't know, there's, there's a lot of different things that I think that are going on and it, it might just come down to the team just not gelling right now and winning cures all. So maybe they get a win on Saturday and they can set themselves up, but Omaha's in danger of missing the playoffs completely. If a couple of other teams get on a run. So, and a the big one of that starts on Saturday when they play Tormenta. If you don't get a win at Tormenta, they're going to take your spot from you. Omaha's got a lot to figure out. It's 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 gut check time for Omaha. Yeah, I agree with you. I I don't want to put this solely on two players that are playing up at the top line, because even though they only had one shot, they took advantage of that opportunity and they did score. At after that it's on the entire team to preserve that win. Now mm-hmm. we have seen in the past several weeks, Union Omaha give up leads and give up results to mm-hmm. late goals. We've, we've seen at home, we've seen it away. I think that is a bigger indication of problems than a low scoring team. Because in each of the three seasons that we've seen from Union Omaha, actually uh, with exception to last year, I suppose, Union Omaha has largely been a low-scoring team, yet they still find results. Yep. So to have a similar performance this season without getting the results, that's the scarier part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack with Omaha. I don't know. I wish I had the answers. Yeah. Well, let's move on to another Saturday night match. We had Chattanooga hosting Charlotte, and Chattanooga won 3-1. to one. Yeah, pretty good attendance for Chattanooga too. Yeah, Chattanooga, they averaged twenty three forty six. Oh so wow! This one with three thousand ninety six, it, it looks full, man. That stadium looked CHI Memorial looked really good. That's cool. That was the first time I think I've ever seen that stadium so full. And man, they they brought the noise. I, I actually just finished the rewatch earlier today, and it, yeah, they definitely brought it. It was really cool. They did their, it looked like a look like breast cancer awareness night. Mm. So I know Mo Espinoza had his hair colored pink and there was a oh, lot of, cool. there was a lot of pink Chattanooga shirts in the crowd. So 
that was really cool. Yeah, and speaking of Mo Espinosa, he scored in the tenth minute. So oh, scored earlier in the game, shocking. got the crowd going. Yeah. <laughs> and not only did he score, he scored from outside the box. Again, shocking. Yeah. Mo Espinosa yeah. shooting outside <laughs> the box and scoring. And I mean, that was a beautiful volleyed ball, too. I mean, he no doubter. As soon as he kicked it, you knew that was going in. Yeah. Top bended off a of volley. Yeah, it's amazing when you see those type of volleys whether it be in person or on TV mm-hmm. when you, well, we've see, seen them both. Yeah. <laughs> he did when it in Omaha too. When you see those happen, they automatically like pull you out of your seat mm-hmm. because you just know that it's coming and it's so cool to watch. Yeah. I mean, Mo, I don't think he's going to be here much in league one. When I say no. here much longer, <laughs> no, I think he's proven well, himself this year. And if he is going to stay in League One, he's not going to stay at Chattanooga. Well, I mean, that's just kind of their whole thing. I mean, they don't keep their best players. so Yeah. And then to tie it up before halftime, Charlotte scored in the 28th minute, Trezor Mbuyu, unassisted mm-hmm. goal. Yep. I think we've heard that name several times before. Yeah. Yep. He was a poacher on this one, though. He scored just outside the six-yard box, so he was getting in the mix. Yeah, and I mean, a goal's a goal. So uh, early on when you were watching that match, Chattanooga really looked like they had the early, early momentum. Mm-hmm. But credit to Charlotte for fighting back in that late first half or mid, I guess, first half to get that goal. That kind of really turned the tide, and it looked like it got Chattanooga on their heels for a little bit. And, I mean, it took them to the 48th minute to get a uh, – Another score, Timothy Meal, assisted by Jose Carrera Garcia. Header following across off of a corner kick. So Chattanooga came back and and kind of really wowed the fans with that one as well. So, mm-hmm. And then we go ahead and move to the 69th minute. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Galindres assisted again by Jose Carrera Garcia. A header following a cross off of a corner. So, I mean, Man, it's almost like they're good at corners. Yeah, it's strange. It's a great win from Chattanooga, and it it really helped their their playoff chances. So, you now have Chattanooga sitting in sixth place with mm-hmm. forty points total. So, they're there. They're right there. So, definitely needed that win. It was a great job. And I feel like the obvious choice for notable performances for Chattanooga, Jose Carrera Garcia. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have two assists in the game that leads to the win, yeah, you're you should be the in the and you should be in the spotlight. Yeah, and I mean, not even that. Just eighty six percent accurate passes, five for eight on duels, two for three on crosses, and five chances created. So. Just so he was, so he was two for three on crosses Mm -hmm. and two goals off of those crosses. crosses. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. And then flipping it and going to uh Charlotte here, you got to go with him, boo you, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. the, the, the guy's all over the place, man. And I feel like anytime you you talk about Charlotte, you're talking about him, boo you. So, I feel like you could say that for every time, but 
90 minutes, one goal, 81% passing and 38 touches. So yeah, Charlotte, you're either talking about Mbuyu or you're talking about Corey Bennett. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Both of those guys are going to be gone after this season. They're too good for, Uh, there's going to be a lot of turnover in this league. I think after this season, there's a lot of guys playing right now that deserve to go up. Yeah. And if none of the championship teams want to pick up Mbuyu or Corey Bennett, mm-hmm. I'd be happy to see them in Omaha. Yeah, I'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> in the series, we have Chattanooga with seven points total, two wins and one draw. So both of their wins were at home. They only drew in Charlotte and outscored Charlotte 12 to four. Ouch including a week 13 shellacking seven to one that draw in week 22 and then week 27 here, three to one, man, that week 13 shellacking, man, that, oh, that was rough. Seven one. I mean, uh, you, you just pack it up as soon as you, I think as soon as you're getting beat like four to one, it's just like, okay, well this is over. And then it's just slap in the face after that. And so with scoring 12 goals, I feel like it would pretty be pretty easy to figure out who the series MVP is. And for Chattanooga, you would have to go with Juan Galindrez. He scored four mm-hmm. goals. So a third of their goals were Juan Galindrez. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could go with Mensigan as well or Espinosa. Mensigan with three assists, one goal. And then Bo Espinosa with just his uh, – he's one of the best – shooters of the ball in the entire league. I mean, that guy scores bangers after bangers. And I mean, I can't sing his praises enough. He's great. Yep. You turn and look at Charlotte. I mean, it's got to be in Buyu, right? Mm -hmm. Two goals in the series. And I mean, when you have half your, your series goals. Yeah. That's, that's going to be your guy. But like we were talking about earlier too, Ibarra, a goal and an assist in the series. So he's also a good choice. Yep. So looking ahead, Chattanooga has two games remaining on in their regular season. Both are road games. They play North Carolina and then they go and play at Tormenta. Mm-hmm. Their season road record thus far is four wins, four draws and six losses. Should Chattanooga fans be worried? Um, well, you've got to at least get a point between North Carolina and Tormenta. If you get a point, I feel like you should be safe. And I feel like North Carolina might be a team that you can get a point off of. And it's going to be tough playing against Tormenta, no matter who it is. Both being on the road is tough as well. But I mean, their, their road record is four, four and six. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know about worried. I think Chattanooga is a good team, and I think they'll probably still make the playoffs if it's not from their own play. The only teams they really have to worry about, you know, would be like Tucson or Charlotte. And they, I mean, they just beat Charlotte. So they've done what they have to do in that, you know, aspect of it. But if we go ahead and look at, let's look at Charlotte's matches. So Charlotte's matches that they have left is Greenville and NCFC. 
I don't feel like Charlotte's going to get points off of Greenville, especially in Greenville. So I think, I think Chattanooga should be safe. Yeah. I think Chattanooga will be safe. If Charlotte makes the playoffs, it's not because they put themselves there. It's going to be because of the help that they receive, whether it be a Tucson and Central Valley Fuego draw tonight Mm. or a North Carolina loss or draw versus Tucson on Saturday. Yeah. Yep. I'd agree. I mean, that also begs, begs that question. I know we kind of touched on it, but Charlotte fans be worried. I think Charlotte has more of a reason to worry than Chattanooga. (laughs) So I think of any team in the league, Charlotte has the most to worry about right now. Mm -hmm. They are the at most risk. Yeah. And I mean, it could come in their favor for their last match. If you can come out of Greenville with one point and then you're playing a North Carolina side that is probably going to be playing some younger guys, they don't have anything to play for. So if you can get four points out of these next two matches, man, that would be huge for Charlotte. Yep. Well, another Saturday night match. This one was the USL League One After Dark match with Fuego hosting Hailstorm. And Hailstorm came away with the victory, but not because of their own doing. No. In the 62nd minute, it took till the 62nd minute for the scoreline to be broken. And it was broken by an own goal by Fuego. Yeah. I mean, isn't that just a, uh, that's just their season in a nutshell. I mean, yeah, it, they did so well so early and then just for it to come completely unraveled. Yeah. I feel like that was one that was going to end up in a draw. Yeah. I mean, it, it likely would have, but I mean, you, again, we talked about it earlier with central Valley, those damn back passes, man. Yeah. That just, when you back pass to a keeper that's off his line and not ready for a ball, that's what's going to happen. It's just going to roll in the back of the net. So, yep. but I know central Valley fans are upset about that as well. And I mean, it lost you the game. It so, did. Yeah. And that, that also keeps Northern Colorado's hopes for the playoffs alive. So, yep. I don't know. It's tough. Sometimes playing out of the back doesn't work. Yeah. I think there's an entire Twitter account dedicated to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, despite the loss for central Valley, I feel like Michael Hornsby had the, the best performance. He was playing left back. He was busy that entire night facing off against Irvin Para, Marky Hernandez, Arthur Rogers. I mean, he was very busy that night and I don't know. I feel like he was facing a firing squad and he was doing his best to, to quell every single one of those advances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of how Northern Colorado plays too, is to like completely hammer one side or the other. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's, he had a, a pretty decent stat line. I mean, 77% passing, 67% 67% of his duels won, a chance created, three tackles, two interceptions, one clearance, and only gave up one foul to those 
to that very stout attacking line. Um, I think that's the best stat of the ones you just read. Yeah, the one foul for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's especially when you got guys like Para. I mean, Para and Nordy, those, those guys both have a motor that do not quit. So, yeah, that just shows that he was not letting anybody pass him. Mm-hmm. So, credit where credit's due on that one. So, and yeah. Arthur, yeah. Arthur Rogers over at Northern Colorado had a good game too. And mm-hmm. recognizing another defender. Uh, yeah. Played right back for the hailstorm and 90 minutes had four chances, created 58 touches, even had a successful dribble. A defender had a successful dribble. Imagine that. Hey, and generating plenty of offense. He had nine passes in the final third, a hundred percent on his duels, five for five on the ground, four, four, four in the air. Wow. And he earned two fouls. So he had a very productive night. Yeah. And on a a night where you needed your defense to step up, yeah. uh, he did. So, I mean, that's great. Especially, I think the thing that doesn't get talked about enough, too, it's with your your backs are the fouls that that you can earn from those. Because if you can get upfield and earn those fouls in the areas that he was where it's dangerous for those for those set piece opportunities that does a lot more than than gets talked about really so yeah um, yeah that's great so if we go ahead and move on to the series here northern colorado wins the entire series so they are the i'm going to use your phrase here because i like it better the ky clash champions <laughs> With six points, two wins, one loss, and outscored Central Valley five to two, but they only scored goals in the first game, five total in one in one game. Yeah, uh, they got shut out in the second in that loss, and then the own goal was the decider. So that's pretty cool. You win a series even though you only scored goals in the first game. Yeah, imagine yeah. that. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for a series MVP for Northern Colorado, it man, I, it's a tough call. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, three players that really stand out for me: Trevor Amon, Irvin Parra, Marky Hernandez. Every single one of those players had one goal and one assist. Trevor played in two matches. Irvin played in three. Marky also played in three. So, I mean, you can throw your judgment whichever way you want to, but. Each of those guys had uh, standout performances across this series. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to go with the guy that only has two performances in Trevor Amon. Yeah. You know, it, not that any of those guys are, I mean, all of them are deserving of the MVP for that series, but a guy that does it in one less match gets my pick. Yeah. So if you look at Central Valley, there's about four guys maybe that you could say Ramos, Falk, Cheney, and and then Casillas. So for me, I actually am going to go with a midfielder with Ozzy Ramos. One assist and he was very consistent. 
Yeah. And I feel like that's a really good pick, especially because he was paired up with Victor Falk there in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Those two paired together really well. If you look at the stat lines from those guys from the the first two games of this series, Ozzy and Victor, man, they played well together. It's almost like they should stay side by side moving forward. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that could be something to uh to look at for Central Valley, especially because they have to win out. So I'm gonna ask you without including the help that they need, do you think Central Valley can win out? Their last two matches are at Tucson and at Omaha, but they have a road record of five wins, three draws, and five losses. No, I don't think they can win out. Not only because Tucson is playing really well right now, Mm -hmm. but also because Omaha knows how to draw. (laughs) Yes, yes, they do. So you're going up against a team that is, as you've said in the past, red hot, mm-hmm. and then following it up with a team that knows how to draw. So, no, I Especially do not think they can win out. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I don't think Central Valley wins out either. And actually, I'm going to go ahead and disagree and say that they are going to lose both of their matches if this match that they're playing tonight ever gets started because it is still in a delay. Yeah, I just refresh it, and it's still on weather delay. <laughs> I just did as well. And then Omaha, I just feel like Omaha at home, hopefully Omaha gets fans in the stands for that match. The weather should be nice. It's about 70 degrees in Omaha for the rest of the week, this weekend yeah. next. So, But no, I don't think they have... I don't think they have the coaching to be able to do it. And I don't think that they're, I just don't think it's on their side to get it done. So we go from a team of very little hope to a team that we've both openly said that we think has a lot of hope with Northern Colorado Mm -hmm. of the non-playoff teams that are approaching the end of the regular season. This team seems to have the greatest chance to make the playoffs. They are currently tied with Charlotte at 39 points they have one less win than charlotte Mm -hmm. but they have a better goal differential yeah so their regular season ends saturday when they play tucson Mm -hmm. at the final whistle will northern colorado fans be happy or sad i'm sorry northern colorado fans but you are going to be sad I said it earlier, I do believe Tucson gets into the playoffs. And to do that, unfortunately, somebody's got to lose to them, and it's going to be you. Still not a bad season by any stretch. You're not having a home didn't do you any favors this season, but it was still great to have you guys in the league. I did like the competitiveness that you brought in. And as, as a podcaster, not knowing whether or not you're going to win the goddamn game any single week and being unable to read you has made my life difficult, but fun. So unfortunately you guys will be sad after Saturday. Yeah, that match on Saturday. And I love the fact that it's the last match of the weekend because it all just culminates with that last dramatic push from USL one. I, 
that's going to be a very fun one to watch and i'm looking forward to watching that one i am i am going to counter you okay i think they'll be happy because and this is the reason i'm saying this mm-hmm. if so if and when tonight's tucson central valley kicks off it could be tomorrow could be tomorrow <laughs> that one could very easily end in a draw mm-hmm. if that one ends in a draw both of those teams are eliminated from the playoffs they are yep and in doing so suddenly tucson has all the momentum taken out of their their sales and now you have a team that has nothing to play for on the road against a team that has everything to play for true so i'm going to counter you and i'm going to say that northern colorado makes the playoffs instead of tucson that's fair that's fair but we've been burned before rich so <laughs> we have. <laughs> we'll have to just find out so if we go ahead and move on to the match that was rescheduled to Sunday, Tormenta draws with Richmond one to one in the first game at the new stadium for Tormenta. It looked it looked for the entire match just about that Tormenta was going to come out of there with a win thanks to a 41st minute goal Adeniyi. Uh, assisted by Jake Degler. It was one of those goals that it was so hard to see who actually got a foot or a thigh or whatever it was on it. It kind of dribbled into the back of the net. But yeah, it, in either case, Tormenta gets their first goal in their new home, and that's great for them. But and to spoil the fun, in the 90-plus one minute, Richmond's Neil Vignoles just sends one in and spoils the fun for Tormenta in their ground. Would you call that a groundbreaking game? Yeah, I right? guess you could. Sure. We'll call it a groundbreak, a groundbreaking game. That man, Neil Vignoles, from an Omaha perspective, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that kept yeah. Tormenta out of the two spot and dropping Omaha further. But really feel for torments on that they had control of that entire match until that point so if you go ahead and look at some of the notable performances you got to go with adenini excuse me sorry 87 minutes one goal 89 percent passing overall though and 75 percent in the opponent's half four passes in the final third and won three of his four duels so I mean, Andy gets the first goal in Tormentus history at their new stadium. So there you go. That automatically gets you the notable performance nod. Yeah. We got to come up with a name for the notable performance award, Rich. Oh, we do. That's a good one. We'll have to, we'll have to text back and forth, figure something out. Yeah. And then the obvious choice for Richmond, the other goal scorer, Neil Vignoles, mm-hmm. 90 minutes, had that goal scored. <laughs> 88% on his passing had 53 touches and seven passes into the final third. So I feel like this one was pretty cut and dry about who we were going to pick for those notable performances. Yeah. And it wasn't just because of the goals either. It was because of their passing 
pretty much their their passing. They were both one percentage point off of each other. So not only scoring the goals, but also being accurate with passes. That's a huge part of this league. Mm -hmm. And Richmond ended up winning the series with five points, one win and two draws. Mm -hmm. Thanks to their win in week 24, they started off the series with a week 10 draw, two to two, and then tied obviously this past weekend. And, but in week 24, Richmond had that three to one win. Mm-hmm. That was about the time that Richmond really caught, caught fire and yeah. show really kind of started to show their class. So, I mean, that's, that's a tough time to catch Richmond is when they're on their game. Cause they're a great team when they get it all figured out. Yeah. Nonetheless, Tormenta scored four goals and two of them came from Adrian Bilhard. So, I mean, I feel, I feel, I feel like he's the obvious choice for Tormenta's series MVP. He was very versatile. I mean, if you look at the starting lineups, he played left forward, he played right forward, and then he played center attacking midfielder. Yeah. And that's, that's a tough system for Tormenta, especially if you're going to be playing as a forward, especially when they brought on Keziah Sterling who you could also throw into the the mix as a series MVP with two assists. But just what he does on the field, um, he draws defenders because I think defenders know how good he actually is. So yeah. you could give him a few more assists on some goals, I think, if we were counting guys that he's drawn to him to open up those opportunities. Yep. It's that invisible labor we love to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing the dirty work. Gotta love it. Yeah. And then for Richmond, I mean, come on. I mean, it's the the club MVP. It's the likely candidate for league MVP, Jonathan mm-hmm. Bolaños. I mean, he had two goals. He had two assists. And he was very versatile in this series, too, because he was seen lining up as the left winger in their 4-2-3-1. Then he lined up as a right forward. And then he closed out the series as a left forward. Yeah, he uh, he's a great player. And I mean, every time you talk about Richmond, it feels like if he's not scoring goals, he's fa- facilitating goals. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's a great player. You could also throw in Stuart Ritchie at left back um, in this series with one goal and one assist. But I really think Bolanos really deserves that that honor on that. Yeah. So I was going to ask you a question about Tormenta, but we already we already covered that earlier in the the podcast. Mm-hmm. So let me switch it around and ask you the Richmond question that I was going to ask you. Okay. We recently saw on social media that Ethan Vanacore Decker ruptured his ACL. Mm-hmm. Do you think this was a warning to the club to start resting players ahead of the playoffs? Now, this if you keep this in mind, this could mean extra rest for the players because they will have that first round by. And if you let players rest for too long, you run the risk of them getting out of funk, not performing as well when they host that semifinal game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that their manager's going to have to really manage whether, I mean, they need one point to clinch first place. So a draw this weekend will do it for them. And just looking quick here at they have Madison in the Henny Derby. So 
Madison, a team that's not playing for anything right now. Um, maybe pride, maybe, maybe the Henny Derby. They need one point, man. They're, I'm sure they're going to throw in guys to get, try to get that early goal and then throw in some reserves. They definitely need to be doing something to, uh, load manager players, but Richmond's shown their class all season. They've been the best team in the league so far this season. So they definitely could start thinking about resting players, but they def- they should probably play them for at least a little bit of time for the last two weeks here. In my opinion, if I was a manager. Yeah. So you kind of have to take that news with a grain of salt because Ethan Vanekord Decker is also a guy who mm-hmm. has a very long, extensive list of injuries. And so, I wouldn't want this to be the boogeyman for the Richmond kickers at the same time. You know, it's, it's certainly something to consider as you approach the end of the regular season, but this in and of itself is not anything to get super wound up about. Richmond is still in a very good place. They are very safe. Their players are okay. Knock on wood. Mm -hmm. And Ethan Vanekor Decker is just unfortunately one of those players that gets injured often. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean you can't completely change your game plan. Yeah. To for things like this, that's exactly how you get in trouble. So they're a well-managed, well-coached team. So I I expect them to be able to to make it through this without too much trouble. Yeah. Well, looking forward, we have a lot of games. We've already run through a, a lot of the playoff scenarios, so we won't dive too much into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Tonight we have the Western Classico between Tucson versus Central Valley. Which is still in a weather still, delay. Yep, still in weather delay. And then Saturday we have Greenville hosting Charlotte. That's their fan appreciation night. Mm-hmm. And then we have North Carolina hosting Charlotte. Or sorry, I'm sorry. North Carolina hosting Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Followed by Ford Madison hosting Richmond. Henny Darby. Yep. Which is also going to be their Hispanic Heritage Night. Yeah. We can talk about that real quick. I know Forward Madison is hosting it, and they have a limited edition scarf crossover with Labaro 608. Find them on Twitter at, at Labaro 608. And this is a sweet looking scarf, man. And it's, another part of that is 100% of the proceeds from the scarf go to support Dreamers of UW Madison. It's an organization that provides space to build community and network with undocumented UW Madison and local members. So it's really cool. I really want one. I've always thought the Labara logo is super cool and really fits with that supporters group. So, yeah, I reached out to Charlotte to see if I could get their Hispanic heritage night scarf and they never got back to me. So I'm going to, Try to give them a call, see if I can get through to them there. But I reached out to them on social media and they did not respond. Well, see, we got the we got the hookup in Madison. So yeah. if you want this Hispanic heritage scarf, I'm sure we could probably uh call them up and make that happen. Yeah, we can talk to Evan. Yeah. Well uh I really want one. So Evan, if you're listening, I'll send you a message later too. But if you're listening and I don't get around to it, hit me up because I really want one. And then following the that game, we have 
Union Omaha hosting Tormenta FC. Yeah. And so some cool news coming out of Union Omaha on Sunday from 12 to 2. They're going to be having a meet and greet with some of the players at one of these sports bars, Hale Varsity Sports Bar. You can go get pictures, get autographs, hang out with the players, get some lunch, all that kind of stuff. It'll be a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, another cool story coming out of Union Omaha is the Skills Challenge, which will be at Werner Park next Wednesday. Yeah, at like a 7 p.m. Yeah. Start just like a normal match, but they've already got the teams out, so... Um, and there's what four Union Omaha teams, and then they're going to have teams from Bellevue University. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're going to run through four or five different skills challenges. Yeah, they put it out, but I haven't seen anything else for it. I mean, I guess there's there's kind of bigger fish to fry right now than yeah. <laughs> what the skills challenge is going to be. But unfortunately, I, I was not, you know brought on as one of the captains so you will not see me out there i was really hoping you were going to get called up yeah that makes one person that would be really excited if i got (laughs) called up because i i don't think i would have done us proud (laughs) you know there's always those people that always clamor for having regular you know joe schmoes in the olympics it'd be cool to have you know, regular Joe Schmoes like you and I in the skills challenge so that they, people can watch these skills, skills challenge challenges happen and gain an appreciation for the players that we have on the team. Mm-hmm. You know what? I talked to Peter at the watch party on Saturday. I should have brought it up, but it, it completely slipped my mind. So you wanted that pizza. Nah, I think it was more of a, uh, it slipped my mind because I don't want to go out and embarrass myself more than it was <laughs> anything else. <laughs> Well, after the Union Omaha home game, we have a home game in Northern Colorado as they host FC Tucson. And it's going to be a good one. That is going to be a good one. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of teams that can lock up their their playoff hopes or keep them alive. And there's a lot of teams that could drop out. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. This is a big weekend. We only got two, two left, three if you're a Tucson fan, but. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. Yeah. I feel like we should we should mention this with the the Sally Yates report. Okay. The USL did issue a statement and I'm going to read it verbatim for you guys in case you haven't seen it. And their response was the United Soccer League recognizes the importance of the report of independent investigation to the U.S. Soccer Federation concerning allegations of abusive behavior and sexual mix- misconduct in women's professional soccer for all members of the soccer community. We commend the players and others who came forward to tell their stories. The report's findings require thorough and thoughtful examination. We are working to integrate learnings from the report into our safeguard programs, and the USL is committed to providing a safe and supportive culture for all players, coaches, and employees in the USL from youth to professional levels. And unfortunately, it's one of those things where this is a giant black mark on any organization that is connected to us soccer and some of the, the really horrific stuff that came out from that report has no place in our sport. 
So anybody who was named in that or was part of that does not deserve to be in any any shape or form, any way related to our sport. So we're going to have to see because this this whole uh, issue went on for way too long and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be completely taken out of our game. You know, it's completely equal rights and nobody should have to feel the way that these these athletes felt and were taken advantage of. So it's great that it came to light and we'll just have to see and make sure that everything is on the up and up. But fortunately, soccer is one of those sports that has the community of people like us that that do care about making not just our sport, but the world in general, a better place. So hopefully more stuff gets done with it and we completely eliminate all of that stuff from our sport and from the world. So well said, I agree. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of lighten the mood here and we'll jump right into Twitter questions. We only have two this week. It looks like four questions total. Zach, I'll put out quite a few. So we'll start with you, Zach Adzi, the Albouth here. And he says, hey, guys, longtime listener, multiple appearancer, if that's even a word, and lots of questions asked. Here today, I'm wondering, as of today, who do you feel are in the playoffs and out of the playoffs? Who do you feel deserves to win it the most? That's a great question. So we'll break it down and say, in this field, who do you think is in the playoffs? So I think you and I both agree that Charlotte is out, but you and I disagree because you think it's Tucson and I think it's Northern Colorado. Correct. Yep. So it's every team, but except for that sixth spot. Yeah. And then who do we feel deserves to win it the most? Uh, deserves to win it yeah that's the key word richmond which hurts me to say um probably richmond just they've been the most consistent all season really in my opinion but you know what no union oma union oma deserves it i'm gonna throw a curveball and i'm gonna say greenville deserves to win it um Greenville, I don't know. I have the my book over there. I don't have the exact breakdown of who's been at the top of the, the table the longest, but it's definitely been between Richmond and Greenville. They've both had long streets, streaks at the top of the, the table. But there was also a time when Richmond was dipping down a little bit lower in the standings. True. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. So Greenville has been the most consistent club. Mm-hmm. in the entire season. So as far as deserving, I would, I'm going to give it to Greenville. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when you're right, Rich. <laughs> and this yeah. one will not be accompanied with an asterisk. Yeah, it'll be the only one that they have that isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach also asks, with the goalie signing, do you guys think there may be more to the new who stuff than they are leading on? And then I'll save his last part of that question for another question here. I, and so they're talking about the goalie signing union. Omaha did 
sign another goalie. Do I think there's more to the new who stuff? Depends on what you mean by more to it. Do I think new who is more injured than he probably lets on? Yes. I think new who's been playing with injuries his entire season. I don't think he's been a hundred percent since probably week 12 or 13 really. But more than that, I really think new who is probably moving on. Yeah. I, I, and it's going to suck to see him go, but he deserves it. I mean, he's a great keeper that his skill level far outpaces the USL level. <laughs> They're the USL one level. Yeah. Hell, I'll even say the USL C level. I mean, this new who is a guy that can be playing anywhere in the world really as a keeper. So is there more to it? Yes, but it's, I don't think it's strictly for injury reasons. Yeah. I don't think there's any, any conspiratorial type of action going on. I think it's oh, just, no. I think it's oh. just on just the fact that he's a bit banged up and combining that with the fact that he's moving on. I don't think there's anything else beyond that. Yep. And so Zach also wants to know what is the meaning of life while we're at it? If I'm giving you the joking, sarcastic answer, I'm going to say 42. If you're a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan. If I'm giving you a serious answer, just find happiness. Don't try to find any deep meaning in life. Don't try to kill yourself for your job. Don't try to earn. Don't try to get the biggest paycheck or biggest house or anything like that. Just, just find happiness. That's, that's the, the biggest thing in life. Just find happiness. Couldn't have said it any better. I got, I got nothing to add on that. That's, that's perfect. Rich knocked it out of the park. So our other last question of the night is uh, from at ranting penguin, Tim, the top three teams have combined for eight points in their last nine matches. Three each, eight draws, one loss. Any thoughts on what's contributing to that? I don't well, really, I don't know. <laughs> as far as Richmond's contribution to those stats, they already have, what, a five-point lead on the rest of the league? So they have enough of a cushion to kind of take it easy. And if they earn some draws along the way, then they earn some draws. As okay. far as... I'm sorry, I have to cut in here. I literally just saw people, because the Tucson game is just now coming on, I literally saw them with brooms sweeping water off of the field. <laughs> I had to cut in. I'm sorry. I'm watching it right now, too. <laughs> Rich, go ahead. I'm sorry I cut you off, but I felt like that had to be said. And then as far as Greenville and Union Omaha, Union Omaha has just had a, a tough spell of games because they can't seem to to make things happen on their end as far as greenville i think they've just come up in some tough scenarios as well who has greenville played the past few weeks greenville has played tucson which they drew yep they drew with a red card to hailstorm and they drew with a red card to Union Omaha. So that's those are three tough matches. And those were all on huh. the road? 
uh, and I mean, their their slump really started on October 27th when they lost 2-0 to Hailstorm because on September 3rd, they drew 2-2 to Madison. They lost on September 9th to Charlotte. They drew with Omaha on the 17th. They drew with Hailstorm on the 24th, and they drew with Tucson on the 1st. Yeah. So this has not been really a surprise um, for Greenville. It They haven't been in a great run of form, which you could say that about almost every single one of the teams. I don't know what the contributing factor is, but no team wants, especially that second spot, it seems like. It seems like the only team fighting for that second spot right now is Tormenta. Yeah, Tormenta is the only one that actually wants the second place spot. Greenville and Union Omaha are saying, no, you take it. No, you take it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Richmond, you can kind of see that. I mean, it's just they've all but got first place locked up. They yeah. they don't really need any help. All they need is one more point in two matches. And that's if they don't get any help from the teams below them, which if you look at Union Omaha's run of form and Greenville's run of form, the chances are they're going to help them out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think it's Richmond doesn't have that much to play for at this point, and Omaha and Greenville just are in their huge slump of the season. Yeah, yep. It's just unfortunate. So it'll be interesting. Big match this weekend. Big matches. Lots of them. Yeah. All right, man. Closing it out on a high note. You ready for the rant? Yeah. So for you guys this week, um, again, I am a Union Omaha fan, so I'm going to go Union Omaha centric on this one. Again, just like last week, if you're not a Union Omaha fan, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Um, But this week, Union Omaha uh, started the season really strong. um, Top of the attendance. Um, for League One, and at this point, Omaha is losing that battle. Uh, USL One attendance is up 13% compared to last year, total for this year. But Union Omaha sits behind both Forward Madison and Richmond as we speak. Granted, it's a couple hundred fans for Richmond, but Madison is significantly higher. Um, and then if you look at the year-over-year stats, Omaha is only sitting at a positive, <clears throat> positive 0.05 year over year. Man, these are some rookie numbers. We got to pump these numbers up. So um, anybody that, that kind of knows me or talks to me a little bit knows that I, I keep a really close eye on the attendance throughout the week. Um, I actually take my lunch break to go into the app and count out all of the sold and unsold seats that we have. And right now Omaha's not sitting great for the match on Saturday. Um, we're just under 2000 countable tickets right now. So if you're planning on going to the match, bring, bring a friend with you, bring 20 friends with you. I mean, buy a berm seat, go hang out with, with parliament or buy an inline seat and go hang out with, 119. Both of those groups are going to treat you well. They're going to make sure you guys have fun and just 
come hang out, come tailgate before the match. It's a fun time. We need to get more people into the seats. And this is a really pivotal, pivotal time for Union Omaha. Um, they need to start winning matches and they need us fans there behind them. So got to do something and it's only going to help all of us people here that want, Hey, you want a stadium? Well, our attendance has got to go up. If you want better, better food options, better beer prices. If you want all of this, it all depends on getting guys or guys and gals or people, people in general through the gate, just, Get there, get to the match, bring anybody you can with you. If you have some friend that you haven't talked to in years, I I don't want to say turn it into like a uh, a pyramid scheme call, but call them up and do the same exact thing. Hey, man, how you been? Oh, yeah, we haven't talked to you since high school. Hey, there's a Union Omaha match coming up. You should go. I'll meet you there. And uh, bring them, man, because we, we need a ton of people there. Um, not only to get our attendance numbers up, but to let the guys know that we're still behind them and that we still think they can win matches and, and make a nice deep run to the playoffs and win the whole thing. So that's really all I got for you guys. Um, bring some more people out and hopefully the field doesn't look like garbage again this week. I love it. That's a good one. Call to action for all those fans out there. Doesn't matter Everybody. what stadium you're in. Yeah, it doesn't matter what club you're supporting. Get as many fans as you can into those stadiums. Fill those seats. Support your players. Support your club. Yeah. Yeah. Just come hang out. And you know what? Find me in the parking lot. Come over, say hi, say what's up. We'll hang out. We'll have a few beers mm-hmm. or sodas or whatever you drink, whatever you want to do. Just come yeah. hang out. Bring your friends. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Brian and I don't do any gatekeeping. We're, uh, we're going to welcome all and we're going to have some fun with everybody who comes over to say hi. And it's going to be a fun time. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you experience that kind of sentiment at whatever club you're going to support, whatever stadium you're going to, you know, this is a community where everybody should be welcome and everybody should be, you know, happy to support their club and, and feel included. So, yeah, we're yeah. all, we're all fans of the same sport and we're all fans of making our community a better place. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's a call to action for everybody. Let's it, it doesn't even have to be Omaha centric. If you're a fan of another team, bring your friends. You know, show people what what this sport and what this league is about. And let's just get out here and make the league better because that's only going to benefit us, especially with how much fun we all have going out to matches. So, yep. All right. Well, we have playoffs only a few weeks away, so keep watching the uh the games as they happen on espn plus or in your stadium otherwise keep checking back with league one on the rocks with more action we're going to have more coverage coming at you and uh we look forward to bringing you all the news and all the updates and all the all the banter and all that kind of stuff oh yeah always all right everybody have a good rest of the week enjoy week 28 or no what is this 29 28 28 yeah yeah enjoy week 28 of usl league one action and we will give you another episode next week all right thanks guys